the funny thing was he said he gets lots of people who come on the tour and say they want to eat like the British so they can't wait to have fish and chips and he reminds them that to eat like the British you simply need to go to the pub have half a dozen pints of beer and he reinforced the half a dozen number and then go get a proper curry off of Brick Lane so everybody. Before we dive into tonight's episode, we have some listener questions on the voicemail line that we have been meaning to respond to and are now finally getting a chance to do that. And so want to put those listener questions up front for all of you out there. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we will answer your questions on the air. We will respond to comments on the air as well, as long as they're family friendly. You can reach us at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. That is our Google Voice voicemail box. If you call that number, it will send you right into our voicemail. You can leave us a message and we will include it in the show. But hey, let's dive into some listener questions. Hey, Brian. Hey, Sam. This is Robbie from Cedar Park, Texas. First time caller, long time listener. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you guys and your love for Disney Cruise Line, all things Disney, but especially Cruise Line. We're avid cruisers ourselves. I have a question for you. You guys just came off the WISH and you've been doing a marathon of WISH episodes. So I'm tasking you as an Imagineer for the next upcoming ship. First question, what are you going to call it? Second question, not the whole ship, but if you were to design one part of the ship, it could be a restaurant, Sam, it could be a musical, whatever it is, what are you going to do, an original idea of a part of the ship that you would create? Love to know your answer. Thanks for all you do. You guys are awesome. Bye. Well, Rob, thanks for calling in. Great question. Uh, fortunately, we now know the name of the next ship, but we're going to play a game called What's Ship 7 going to be called and what spaces can we design there? And I'm going to weave in some of my thoughts on the announcements from the new ship, too, because we have not covered those on the show up until now. So we know the next ship's going to be called The Treasure. I am desperately wanting Disney to call Ship 7 the Imagine or the Imagination. I cannot believe this name has not made its way <laughs> into the Disney ships as of yet. I have a feeling my heart will be broken, but I really want it to be the Imagine or the Imagination. And I have this like crazy idea that Figment will either be the Stern character or the Atrium character. I, it's it's mind boggling to me that this hasn't happened already. So that's that's my prediction for Ship 7. And I'm pretty confident I will be proved wrong. In terms of like designing a space on the ship, as for the announcements that we've heard about the treasure, which, by the way, I'm just going to say I'm not a fan of that name. <laughs> like, I, the wish makes sense. The treasure just feels so awkward to me. So I am not a big fan of the name of the next ship. Does not mean I'm not going to fall in love with that ship. It's just the name of it is not my favorite. In terms of spaces... And the announcement that they did, we saw they, they had three characters or three scenes from like Disney movies in the portholes and they included Moana, they included Coco, and they included Hitchhiking Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion. And I just want to say my predictions right now are that we will see a either a Coco or a Moana themed restaurant. And I know a lot of people have said, no, 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 Moana is going to be the theme for the water ride or Moana is going to have a stage show. I think either of those are also fantastic outcomes. I would be surprised if Moana is the theme for the water ride on board, to be perfectly honest. But again, can be proven wrong. I think a Moana stage show would be great. There's a lot of great songs out of Moana. Shiny, thank you. I forget that Sam can name them all, but I, I love the songs and the characters out of Moana, so I do think it'd be fun as a stage show. But I think it would be also a lot of fun to essentially have a luau on board as a show. And so um, just tossing out the possibility Moana could be a restaurant theme. I do think Disney fans have been clamoring for a cocoa-based restaurant and show for a while now. And so great to see maybe that that would be a restaurant theme as well. Uh, hopefully they can do it better justice than the Mexican food on board the Wish, which is good, but in my opinion is not as good as it could be. So if they're going to go that route with Coco, I really hope they'll lean hard into uh, the food there. Uh, and I think the Hatbox Ghosts are ultimately going to be a bar on board. That's my prediction. I think instead of Hyperspace Lounge, you'll have like a Haunted Mansion themed lounge. And again, think that that would be amazing if it's done well. I don't think they did it well for Hyperspace, to be perfectly honest. So I'd like to see see them up their game for that lounge. In terms of a complete white space opportunity on board ship number seven, man, this is hard for me. <laughs> I think I'd like to see them try to do something from a restaurant standpoint with Mulan. Like I really want Disney to lean in hard on this, like providing different food options than what they currently provide. And I think Chinese food, especially like Americanized Chinese food is very popular with the American palate. I think they could easily get away with a bunch of dishes on board the cruise line 
that are like Americanized Chinese food. And it would be kind of a fun and unique offering on board. So I think it could be fun to give that kind of nod to like a Mulan and some of the other movies that are set in in Asia. I frankly just don't know the popularity of Mulan currently to know if it's enough for them to theme an entire restaurant around or build an entire show around. Um, I mean, they do have Raya as well, but and some Marvel related, you know, movies that have come out like Shang-Chi. So I think that there's probably an opportunity to do something with that on board and uh, would, would, would really enjoy that. If I had my absolute druthers, I'd love to see Baymax start making character appearances on board. Disney Cruise Line, he's one of my absolute favorite characters. Perhaps I could even theme the restaurant as like San Francisco and get away with that uh, on board the ship. So um, I, I think leaning into that kind of space would be really interesting for Disney. Uh, but it seems like they're theming their ships. So we had basically princess theme with the wish. Now we're having this sort of more adventure theme with the treasure. So it really, I think, depend on what they're going to do with theming for ship number seven. But with that, I'm going to hand it over to Sam because Sam's probably got great ideas that I'm not even thinking of, uh, especially in the show front. So Sam, what's your answer? So you stole my first two answers, which are Imagine and Figment as the Stern character. So I'm going to give a different one because that's actually my first choice for the name of a ship. Not Imagination, but the Imagine, I think would be a great uh, ship name with Figment as the Stern character or or the character in the atrium. But I, I think another really good one would be Believe. Who else do we need to believe in but fairies? So it would have to be, you know, Tinkerbell as the Stern character. Now, I'm not sure this will happen because Tinkerbell is already the godmother of one of the ships. I can't remember which one, but I think that that would be very classic. And we don't have a lot of Peter Pan stuff on the ships other than obviously... Gosh, as for shows, I I have to agree with Brian. Moana would be a great addition. Um, However, it might be kind of complicated to do. I think more likely we may see a new, I'll call it a mashup show, like Seize the Adventure or like Disney's Dreams or the Golden Mickeys, but a, a new stage show that incorporates perhaps some songs from Moana, some songs from maybe Frozen 2, some songs for from Encanto. You know, I'm talking about surface pressure, and we don't talk about Bruno. Um, there's some really, you know, great music that's come out of some of the more recent Disney movies, and they could incorporate those into a new stage show, stringing together some random plot. I I don't know of what yet. I think another fun addition, if I'm sort of doing like Brian did, just a, a starting a new, a completely white box, I think a, a cool space in the kids club would be a cars themed space. Right now on the Wish, they've got a, I'll call it a roller coaster simulator type experience. They could do a car, you know, car race, a racetrack type simulator experience that would be cars themed, uh, perhaps with Cruz Ramirez in addition to Lightning McQueen so that you have a female strong race car character as well. You know, those are the the things I can think of off, off the top of my head. I have, of course, said on previous shows, I would love a virtual reality experience like The Void. I still am hoping for that, but I didn't choose that just because I've said that on prior shows before. So those are kind of the things I would be looking for. I think Encanto could also make a nice restaurant. We'll see. I think I am predicting, like Brian, that Coco is going to be one of the restaurant themes on the treasure, based on you know the fact that we know Coco is going to be somehow involved in the ship. Um, but I think that could pave the way for a Colombian themed restaurant, a la Encanto. So yeah, there you have it. Hey Brian and Sam, Jonathan McIntosh here. Love the show. It's been very helpful as we have been planning our family's very first Disney cruise on the Disney Fantasy Seven Nights to the Western Caribbean out of Port Canaveral over our kids' fall break in October. Here's my question. What would you do with an extra day in Orlando? Uh, we get in on Saturday, uh, disembark on a Saturday. Our flight out to Nashville is not till early 6.30 uh, Sunday morning. And we don't have plans for that day yet. Uh, we have not yet been to Hollywood Studios since uh, the advent of Galaxy's Edge or Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So I'm considering it's just a, a day bliss of Hollywood Studios. Of course, that means we also haven't been to Remy's Ratatouille Adventure or um, the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster in Epcot. So I'm considering either one of those. I think maybe with our family of six trying to park up and do both of those in a day is a little much. Also, I just listened to the episode from the summer about a resort only saving a nice soft landing 
I'm considering, hey, we can get a hotel at, uh, at one of the Bonnet Creek resorts as a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pools and, uh, lazy rivers and we could do a single day stay there and maybe go see drawn to life over in Disney Springs. Of course, we could also do something at Universal Orlando as well. So if you had a, a single day to spend and no more time than that, what would you do? Thanks for your help. Talk soon. Well, Jonathan, thanks for the question for reaching out. For me, I think it depends on a few pieces of information that we didn't get. So I, I would want to know if you have a rental car that you're using to get back and forth from the cruise or how you're getting around Orlando. And then how old are your kids? And and also, you know, are they roller coaster junkies or not? Because I think if your kids are old enough and really into roller coasters, one way I might spend the day actually is going to Universal Studios. I know Gasp. That's not allowed to be said, but um, I have had recent experience at Universal Studios and and the rides there, they're really good. So if your kids are into roller coasters, they're old enough to ride a ride like Velocicoaster or see Hagrid's or they're into Harry Potter and you haven't had a chance to visit land since it opened up and was fully staffed with all of its roller coasters, I think Universal can be a great option, especially for a day ticket. Um, if you're willing to spring for it, uh, you and your family can add on a VIP tour option, a group VIP tour option to your Universal ticket at a fairly reasonable expense. I don't want to pretend like it's affordable. I just want to say it's fairly reasonable for what you get and really knock out all of the marquee attractions at a place like Universal in in a day and and have your meals covered and all of that sort of thing. On the on the transportation front, I would say if you have a rental car, one thing I might steer you towards actually since your flight is so early in the morning out of MCO would be to actually just stay at the Hyatt at the MCO uh, because you'll be right there and be able to get out quickly in the morning without having the commute over from Disney or even Universal. Um, uh, from your hotel. So you might just check out the Hyatt and MCO. The rates are pretty affordable there for families. We've stayed there before cruises. And if I had a really early morning flight out of MCO, I might stay there. On the Disney side, man, it's a tough question. I'm a big fan of of Epcot and the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride. I also, you know, depends on when you're there. But you know, these days, there's always a festival at Epcot going on, whether it's food and wine or Flower and Garden or the, so many other festivals that they have, you can get great food and some great rides. And I think Guardians of the Galaxy is the marquee ride at Disney World at the moment. I, I don't think there's a ride out there that rivals it. And so if you're able to do Epcot, that might be my choice. If your kids are into roller coasters and you want to have kind of a more leisurely day, I don't think for me right now, Epcot's a full day. Uh, so, you know, Epcot, I think would be an option if you wanted to spend just a kind of a more leisurely day at Disney, I would say. But if you haven't been to Hollywood Studios and you haven't seen uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to be curious where, where Sam lands on what to do with a day in Orlando. Okay, so my answer is not Universal Studios. Only because you haven't been recently. <laughs> fair, but it's still, I'm going to go with the Disney answer because I, I do think you're going to have a crazy day if you try and go to Universal Studios. And I think you need a softer landing, as Jonathan mentioned, after the cruise. So I'm going to say you're not going to kill yourself running around and doing everything at Universal Studios. Um, but my caveat to this question or my caveat to this answer has very much to do with whether or not you are Star Wars people. If you are Star Wars people, you need to go to Hollywood Studios and do Rise of the Resistance. It is an awesome, awesome ride. Setting that aside, if you are not big Star Wars people, um, and I'm not a big Star Wars person, uh, although I really do like Rise of the Resistance, I'm going to have to go with Brian on the, his Disney option, which is to go to Epcot. And the reason I'm going to say to go to Epcot is is twofold. Um, one is going to be Ratatouille. Uh, I'm actually not going to go for, I mean, I know there, that Cosmic Rewind is an amazing roller coaster, but not everyone is big into super intense roller coasters, and this is a pretty intense one. But I love the Ratatouille ride. I'm a huge fan of Remy. I also want to highlight that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and Remy's Ratatouille Adventure are very, very similar. They are the same style of ride. And I think both of them are really great. But Remy's has has some smells involved and some heat involved and stuff. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway does not. So really, really similar rides. But I'm going to give the edge to Ratatouille over Mickey and Minnie in this case. I also think Epcot is great because you can do the Frozen ride. You can do some character meets if you want. You can eat around the world if you want to do all, you know, all the 
the World Showcase stuff. I agree with Brian. It is probably for us not a full day park, but I think it would be great if you wanted to stay at one of the Epcot resorts and did, you know, half to two thirds of the day at Epcot, maybe spend a little bit of time in the afternoon at at the pool, if you say at the boardwalk or the beach club um, or yacht and beach club, or even one of the Swan or Dolphin hotels, or even Riviera, which we love, which of course is just a Skyliner ride away from Epcot. So yeah, I think there's some great options. Uh, I don't think you can choose wrong here. I think it's really, really should be dependent on your family's preference of whether or not you are Star Wars people and feel like you have to go see Star Wars. I also think it somewhat depends on if you're going to be going to Disneyland anytime soon, then that makes the your the calculus really even easier. Because if you're going to Disneyland, I would for sure say skip Hollywood Studios because you can see the exact same Star Wars land basically in Disneyland. And Disneyland is going to be getting Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway sometime in the near future as well. So that being said, if you are, you know, if you're not a big Star Wars fan or you're going to be going to Disneyland sometime soon, go to Epcot, make it a more leisurely day and get some pool time in as well. So, yeah, that's what I would recommend. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And we are coming to you from somewhere in the North Sea aboard the Disney Magic. But we're not here to talk about our cruise just yet. Our bonus episode instead is going to focus on our stay in London, one of our favorite cities to visit. So our cruise left Dover on Sunday, September 4th. And so we flew into London on well, we left Seattle on Thursday, September 1st, late in the afternoon. Uh, We flew Virgin Atlantic over direct to Heathrow because there's a nice direct flight from Seattle to London uh, on Virgin Atlantic. Did spring for the upper class for Samantha and I. It's a little special birthday gift to Sam since this is her 40th birthday cruise, two years deferred (laughs) at this point. Uh, And so had the nice lay flat seats, I will say. Did not get a lot of sleep on the flight over. Uh, We were hoping that we could use those lay flat seats to our advantage, but did not work out. Otherwise, Virgin Upper Class, very nice experience. We had lots of uh, lounge time in Seattle. Sam was not a big fan of the the Delta lounge experience (laughs) that we had, but uh, it was nice to be able to sit in the lounge before the flight. Uh, We got on the flight we were taken care of end to end. And when we got into London Heathrow, we were able to take advantage of Virgin Atlantic's Revivals Lounge, which is their version of an Arrivals Lounge. So we're able to grab a quick shower and have some breakfast. And then we had a car service arranged through Virgin Atlantic to take us to our hotel. So took a lot of the legwork out of us getting from Seattle to our hotel in London. And we knew our hotel room wouldn't be ready when we arrived. And lo and behold, it was not. Uh, So it was nice to be able to grab a shower and uh, get some breakfast before we headed in. Uh, The only things I was going to flag about our pre-getting to the hotel experience, one, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, delays at Heathrow and baggage being piled up and all that sort of stuff. And I think that was true uh, during the peak of summer travel. But, you know, we had to wait probably a little longer than we otherwise would for our bags, but not that much longer. I think uh, end to end when we got off the plane, got through border control and then got our luggage and got uh, through customs. Uh, It was probably about 40 minutes total. Long walk from the gate. He throws a massive airport. So if you're flying into Heathrow, be sure to leave yourself plenty of time. But our luggage made it just fine. And overall, good experience on the flight over. Uh, We are staying at the or we're staying at the St. Ermans Hotel. We're staying there both before and after our trip. It's a Marriott property that we love. It's near Westminster. Uh, It's kind of a quiet part of town on the weekends, which, you know, might some people might not really like. But it's a couple blocks off of a main street where there's a lot going on and kind of tucked into uh, a little, I would say, upper class neighborhood uh, area. Uh, During the week, it is a business area. It's near Scotland Yard and the Ministry of Justice and uh, some other office buildings. There's a pub nearby. There's two Starbucks there, which is a reason why we love it. And it sits right above St. James Station for the tube. And so just nice area. We can walk quickly over to Westminster and the Thames, and uh, we can walk over to Green Park, Hyde Park, uh, St. James Park kind of area and Buckingham Palace. And so just a nice spot that we enjoy in a very nice hotel. But let's get into what we did in London, Sam. And so day one, we arrived, we were tired, checked into the hotel, but didn't get our room just yet, but had one of your favorite activities up first. So where did we head? Before we headed to our main lunch destination, 
We actually stopped at a men's and women's fragrance store that Brian really likes called Penn Halligan's and bought him some new colognes there. And then we headed over to Fortnum and Mason, which is a famous, I'll call it department store, but it's not a department store in the way that we think of in the United States. They do sell some clothing and uh, housewares, but it mostly focuses, I would say the entire first floor and even the second floor. It's very much about like fine china, flatware, that sort of a thing, and tons of teas and candies and goodies like that. We headed up to the fifth floor to their Diamond Jubilee Tea Room, which has a proper afternoon tea. There's a couple of different options you can have for afternoon tea. We went with the standard afternoon tea fair, which has the sandwiches, the scones, and petty fours. And then also, if you want, they will bring you cake from their cake trolley. Um, We ended up eating really mostly the sandwiches and the scones. Neither of us is huge on the petty fours, but we love tea at Fortnum and Mason. It is a beautiful experience. It's a ton of food. Uh, Our favorites are, are really the Coronation Chicken Sandwich. And my other favorite is the egg salad sandwich. Brian loves the their ham and cheese sandwich. Just a fantastic tea service. I had a, a yummy uh, oolong tea. And Brian, I think you had an Earl Grey. Is that right? No, I had the Royal Blend tea. Uh, they have an extensive tea menu, which I wanted to make sure to highlight. And so that's the benefit of afternoon tea is lots of uh, lots of teas to choose from. And Fortnum & Mason holds what's called the Royal Warrant for tea. And so they are a purveyor of tea to the royal family and makes them a very popular destination for folks. They're known for their delicious jams and they do what they call hampers here, or picnic baskets that they load up with various kinds of foods for folks to uh, you know take on picnic or give as gifts. Uh, also, the department stores here have a lower food hall generally where they sell high-end liquors and other kinds of foods. So it's sort of like a Trader Joe's on steroids in the basement of most of the department stores. So uh, very fun spot. Great spot to grab some souvenirs as well. And then also in the menu, aside from afternoon tea in the Diamond Jubilee Tea Room, they have a savory tea, which skips the sweets and replaces them with more savory food items. Uh, And then they have a high tea, which uh, is a much more extensive uh, tea service and comes with some, I think, kind of larger plate food items almost. You can always add to your tea a nice glass of bubbly. I had a cocktail actually in honor of the Queen's 75th Jubilee that they just celebrated recently. And so it was a nice cocktail that had a print of the Royal Coat of Arms on top of it. So it was a gin-based cocktail in honor of the Queen. So very, very fun spot to go and gives you a sense of the old style of department stores they have here like Harrods and Selfridges. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fun. After tea, uh, we did some walking. We went back to our hotel actually to uh, to drop off some of our purchases and get our luggage situated and stowed away. And then um, we kind of hung out in the hotel for a little bit because we were pretty exhausted and we were trying to keep ourselves awake for as much as we could uh, because we had a Jack the Ripper tour that night. So so we rested in the room for a little bit. We tried not to get ourselves to go to sleep uh, and finally pulled ourselves away and went over to the Victoria Coach Station to pick up a tour over there and uh, boarded a double-decker bus, which took us over to the Whitechapel area uh, of Central London near the financial district, which is of course, where Jack the Ripper's uh, infamy is on display or was on display. Um, I will say we've done a couple of different Jack the Ripper tours in London. And the one that we did most recently was eh, OK. Uh, it was billed as a Jack the Ripper and Sherlock Holmes tour. I booked it specifically because we've done quite a few Jack the Ripper tours in London and wanted to try a new tour provider, but was also hoping to get a little something different with the Sherlock Holmes aspect of it. So if you go on TripAdvisor and see the Jack the Ripper plus Sherlock Holmes tour, just know that it's mostly Jack the Ripper and the tour then ends at a Sherlock Holmes themed pub over near Trafalgar Square for food and drink at your own expense. Uh, We ended up skipping that. I might try to get us to pop back in over there after the cruise. I was trying to avoid the pubs a little bit because they're very crowded and before the cruise wanted to make sure that we passed our COVID test, which we skipped over. One of the reasons we had to go back to the hotel midday was we had our on point COVID test, you know, our proctored COVID test before the cruise. Those are now going away. So won't spend a lot of time there, but safe to say we 
passed our test or failed our test successfully, whichever way you want to say it, uh, so we could board the cruise. It was interesting. I'll just, as a side note, uh, as the testing goes away, I'll say this last test was interesting for us because we took the test and, you know, the test kit said, wait 15 minutes, but the guy on the phone basically had us like chit chat with him for a couple of minutes and then was like, do you see another line? No, good. You, you, you passed. So I did not wait the full 15 minutes, which I found a little odd. I did check them after the full 15 minutes just to make sure that we didn't have a second line, but I uh, just did not feel like the most robust of testing experiences. Uh, but that said, it was, it was easy to schedule and easy to get done. So after our Jack the Ripper tour, we got went back to the hotel. Uh, it was very late uh, for us. And so we turned in and tried to get some sleep and then got up the next morning and decided to grab some breakfast at the hotel. And then we started a long day of walking. Uh, it was a 25,000 step day for us that day. Say, where'd we head first? We headed for Big Ben in Parliament. We decided we wanted to just kind of take some pictures. Um, well, technically, the Elizabethan Tower. Big Ben is the bell inside the clock tower. Um, but yeah, we we uh, took some pictures of those locations. Then we crossed, uh, I believe it was Westminster Bridge. We crossed the Thames and walked along the Thames to just kind of see a bunch of different sites. Walked by the London Eye, uh, mostly just had a nice time sightseeing uh, along the river. It was, uh, was an uneventful, but uh, nice and quite long morning, I would say. And then we headed for another tea service, but this one was kind of unique. This one was a bus tour tea. It was through B Bridget's Bakery, which is a bakery in Covent Garden. Uh, but they run this uh, double-decker bus tour with tea on it. Uh, we had a noon reservation time. This is a tea that you definitely have to you have to reserve in advance. You're essentially buying a ticket for the bus and reserving a specific table on the bus. We had the second-story front table, which the two of us were sitting side by side. We were facing forward um, the entire ride. I, I will say it was a really neat and cool idea, and the food was quite good, but it was quite an uncomfortable experience because the bus seats were really, really small. And while neither of us are humongous people, we are not small people. <laughs> so we are quite cramped. And the other thing I'll say about this Bridget's Bakery bus tour is that we were expecting more of a live tour experience, like with a tour guide, you know, telling us where, you know, what the sites we were seeing as we were seeing them. And instead they had a recorded track and it did not narrate one the entire time. Uh, and two, it the volume just was off. Sometimes it was too quiet. Sometimes it was too loud. They did not moderate it well. Uh, they did play some fun music while we were on the bus. But at the very end of the tour, uh, they played Sweet Caroline. And it was perhaps, you know, 10 volumes too loud, <laughs> even though the uh, most of the tour had a lot of the tour had actually been too quiet. So it was not a bad experience. It was fun and kind of quirky and different, but I'm not sure it's something that I would do again. Uh, what did you think about it, Brian? Yeah, no, I largely agree. I think it was uh, it was an interesting experience. Notably, Bridget's wasn't the only bus we saw driving around London doing this kind of uh, tea service on a double decker bus with a tour. So, you know, your mileage may vary here in terms of which provider has a better experience, but uh, I do think it was it was fun it was interesting i'm glad we tried it out i'm not sure that i would seek it out in the future uh because it just it felt cramped it just felt really cramped um and there were some people getting on the bus i was like i don't know how these people are going to be comfortable uh in this experience but food was good um it did was a nice like loop i think we were out for about 90 minutes and so that was a nice loop and we got to see a lot of the highlights and sights but you know i think we were driving past a few things that like by the time we passed them, the tour audio was coming on. So they also didn't like sync it up or start it at the right time and uh, didn't really do anything to try and correct that. So anyway, it was a nice tour. It was a nice tour, but I probably wouldn't seek it out if I had a choice. And there's probably better afternoon teas out there. Like Bridget's Bakery itself may have a really good afternoon tea. So you might just want to do a hop on, hop off bus tour and then go seek out a tea and instead of trying to combine them. Uh, I guess if you're short on time, it might be an interesting way to do the, uh, the two things together. Uh, after our bakery bus tour, uh, we headed back to the hotel, I think, right? And 
got on our running gear and uh, went for a run through the park. And so did that, ran past Buckingham Palace, but um, had a nice little lovely run outdoors, got cleaned up. And then we decided to head to our favorite Indian restaurant in London. There's lots of great Indian food in London we should highlight. So there is an area of London actually over near where we had our Jack the Ripper tour near Whitechapel called Brick Lane. They've got a lot of great Indian food along that street. It's literally a street lined with Indian food restaurants. Uh, as our tour guide for Jack the Ripper the night before said, which uh, two things he said that were one funny and one informative. The funny thing was he said he gets lots of people who come on the tour and say they want to eat like the British. So they can't wait to have fish and chips. And he reminds them that to eat like the British, you simply need to go to the pub, have half a dozen pints of beer. And he reinforced the half a dozen number and then go get a proper curry off of Brick Lane. So Brick Lane's a great spot to find some curries. The restaurants there kind of vary in quality, I would say. But uh, if you're up for a little bit of an adventure, you can head over there. And uh, the tip that the tour guide gave us is you can pit the purveyors standing out on the street against one another to bargain down the price of your meal. Uh, And we've experienced that a little bit with a group. One year we came over and decided to eat some curry over on Brick Lane with some of Sam's friends. And uh, one of the husbands essentially walked up to one of the guys out in front of a restaurant, immediately started haggling over what the per head price would be and what would be included. And so our tour guide was highlighting, do that and then go to the guy next door and just say really loudly, well, this guy over here is going to give me all of this for 30 bucks a head. What are you going to do for me? And (laughs) said, stand back and watch the two start arguing with each other to bid down your price of your dinner. So that will not work, by the way, if you're a single person or, you know, really a couple, I don't think they're going to, they're going to do much. But, you know, if you're bringing six or eight people into the restaurant, they will try to find ways to uh, convince you to dine with them. But the other, there's some other Indian restaurants in town that uh, have a lot of popularity. There's a chain called Dishoom, which I think does some traditional Indian and some more, um, innovative Indian food. They've got several locations. It is high quality food. We did pass by a Dishoom on the way to our place and had a very long line outside. Uh, There is a Dishoom near the theater district. And actually the place that we went was also in and around the theater district. So uh, if you're looking for a way to get some food before you head to the theater, a really popular way is to go get some Indian food before the theater. Uh, We went to a restaurant called The Punjab, which is billed as the oldest operating North Indian uh, restaurant in London has a fabulous tiki masala in our opinion. And so we had some delicious tiki masala. We had a wonderful doll lentil, black doll lentil dish or a doll black lentil dish. Uh, it was very, very good. Standard naan and papadam with uh, all the accoutrement, um, some samosas. So it was a delicious meal, very reasonably priced. I think we waited in line maybe 15 minutes. Um, we got there around six o'clock. Uh, we know some listeners who are on board with us went to the Punjab the night before and also had a fabulous meal and said that they pretty much walked right in at about five. I have been there when there's been a line. I think if you go in that sweet spot around seven, seven thirty on a Friday or a, or a Saturday night, you're likely to get in pretty quickly because a lot of people are eating there before the theater and the shows here start at seven thirty. So um, we noticed a lot of the restaurant had emptied out by the time the show started. I do think Londoners also like to eat later at times. So if you head out later at night, you might find the restaurant maybe a little bit fuller and they love to eat the curries after they've had a few pints. So sometimes they need to be at the pub for a little while before they go get their dinner. So, uh, so anyway, but it's a great spot. We love it. Uh, it's called the Punjab. And uh, if you're in London and you're looking for Indian food, we highly, highly recommend it. And after that, we decided to take a leisurely walk back to our hotel through Trafalgar Square and along the Thames and uh, got back to the hotel. We're exhausted after 25,000 steps on the day and called it a night. And we're, you know, getting packed and all that sort of stuff to head out uh, on the cruise the next morning. Uh, did Unfortunately for us, we did toss and turn <laughs> throughout the night. I don't know if it was uh, nerves about the cruise, excitement about the cruise or the Indian food sitting in our stomachs. But uh, either way, uh, we're up at 2.30 in the morning watching bad Australian cops <laughs> on the BBC. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was an interesting night. We ultimately were up pretty much from 2.30 until 5.30 in the morning, went back to sleep briefly and then uh, drug ourselves out of bed to do the f- some final packing and get ready to go. Uh, we had a car service meeting us at 9.15. We used a service called EG Chauffeurs, which I know another couple, again, the same couple who went to the Punjab the night before. I know they used that for their family of four to get to the port as well. Car service was on time. They were very flexible. We actually asked if we could change our departure from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And they accommodated that quite readily. We were concerned about getting to the port too early and it wouldn't be open. Our our driver was very professional and nice and uh, got us to the port right on time. We showed up right at 11 a.m. the next day. So 
good car service, recommend them. There's a bunch of car services though in and around London that you can find that will do these private transfers over to the port of Dover if you're sailing out of here. So, and Disney will arrange a private transfer for you, although I found their prices to not be any more competitive than just booking direct. So um, I'd say just do your research and you can probably find uh, a decent car service. But overall, good uh, good trip, good pre-trip before the cruise. So we will wrap it up there. We do have four nights in London after the cruise. And so hopefully we stay healthy and we get to do some of the things we have planned there. We are booked for a show. We've got some plans to eat at some spots, uh, potentially we haven't before. And yeah, some other fun things on tap. So more to come about London, but we will pause the bonus show there and uh, come back in a little bit to talk more about London. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I have gotten to know the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel over time, and they are just so knowledgeable, so wonderful, so responsive, so welcoming. They have a great set of communities built on Facebook where they answer people's questions. We know that if you decide to book your next vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel, you will have a wonderful, wonderful experience. So if you are looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation and adventure, by Disney Vacation, maybe you've been eyeing an all-inclusive resort vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCLDuo to book your next fabulous vacation. We know you'll have a fantastic experience. And with that, back to our episode. All right, we are back and we are doing the most British of things I think you can do sitting in a pub, having a pint, eating some roasted peanuts and recording a podcast. So there you go. We are sitting in the Feathers Pub across from the St. Ermines right now and wanted to bring you a bit more about our stay in London. So we did talk about our pre-cruise stay in London and some of the things that we did there. But we also had four days on the back end after we got off the ship to spend some time in London. But before we got to London, Sam, we got to Harry Potter. And so we did mention briefly on our main show about the cruise that we had taken a port transfer that took us over to the Warner Brothers Studios and then brought us into central London afterwards. I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about that. So this is a port transfer you can book through a company called International Friends. They will meet you at the port and take you to the studios. The price of the transfer includes the ticket admission into the Warner Brothers Studios tour for Harry Potter. It was bang on time to meet us. It met us at 8 a.m at the port there were only five of us on the tour and then the driver so we were in a mercedes minivan basically that drove us over to the harry potter studios which i think was great because it meant we got there pretty quickly and it was also a sunday and so there was very little traffic so we were at harry potter studios by probably 9 30 in the morning 9 45 ish our tickets were actually for 12 30 but the driver assured us there probably wouldn't be an issue with us getting in earlier and there wasn't so i think we were in harry potter by like 10 a.m the tour gave us four hours for harry potter not near enough uh, it was a lot of stuff to see four hours is not enough but it was a good taste and i don't know if we would have gotten over there otherwise so we had four hours at the studios and then we got in the car and they drove us directly to our hotel and then took the other passengers onward to heathrow sometimes they'll go to heathrow first and then the downtown hotels but in this case our hotel was kind of on the way to heathrow from the harry potter studio so they took us first and then went to heathrow i'm sure that will vary depending on the time the flights that people have to deal with and that sort of thing but overall i thought that was a great way to get from the ship back to London and a way to see Harry Potter studios without having to, you know, go from London, spend a day outside of London, uh, you know, from central London out to the studios. It is about 45 minutes from central London to the studios, depending on traffic. It was about two hours from the port to there. So uh, either way, London is about a two hour, hour and 45 minute drive. So you're not you're not spending a lot of extra time on the road. Sam loved seeing the Harry Potter studios. We took a ton of video and we'll have that up on YouTube. YouTube and maybe talk about it a little bit more, but I'll give Sam a chance to relay her thoughts. I will just say, you know, I'm not the world's biggest Harry Potter fan. I like Harry Potter. I thought the sets were amazing. I thought they were better than anything I've seen at Universal, and that's not surprising because they are the sets that they actually shot the movie on. Uh, 
so lots of like just fun little experiences along the tour, green screen experiences with photos and videos, props that were used in the movie, costumes from the movie. And I thought the sets were just amazing to be able to experience live and in person, especially walking into the Great Hall at the beginning of the tour is like, oh my gosh, that was that was really cool. So I'll let Sam talk about the bulk of the tour here. But Sam, what did you think about Harry Potter? It was incredible. And I wish I had another, I don't know, six hours to stay there. We only got four hours. The first half hour is basically queuing up and then doing a uh, seeing all the movie posters and then doing kind of, I'll call them two like short pre-shows, which were definitely good pre-shows. I'm not complaining about it. It's just they did take about a half hour of the time up. So that means only like three and a half hours walking around and getting something to eat because we needed to eat lunch basically there. It was incredible. The props, the costumes, the um, special effects information they gave you, everything that they have there was, as Brian said, used in the movies. All of them, they have stuff from all of the movies. They have the, you know, the boys common room in Gryffindor. They have the common room of, of Slytherin. They've got uh, Hagrid's hut. They've got some of the models they used for the burrow, meaning the Weasley's uh, house. They have a uh, the night bus. Uh, we even got to see Mandrakes. They had a special exhibit that was uh, Mandrakes exhibit in like a greenhouse type of location. They also had uh, several places to get something to eat and something to drink. I will say the central location called the back lot, which is kind of in the middle of the entire thing, uh, which is it's basically two I'll call them two warehouses. I mean, they don't feel like warehouses, but two two lots is really what it is. And so after you finish the first lot, you go into this sort of courtyard area and there's a, uh, a food place that's indoors called the back lot. And that's where you can get your butter beer. I had a butter beer ice cream. It was like a soft serve ice cream in a cone. Brian had the butter beer drink. Both were excellent. I will say Brian liked the butter beer the best, but uh, I liked the ice cream better. But I, I thought the frozen butter beer that they have at Universal was slightly better than the butter beer drink they had at the studio tour. They did not have a, a frozen, you know, slushy version of the butter beer. We did get some lunch at the very end of the tour, uh, kind of where you enter. And I will say that we had a pretty terrible burger there, but we were starving because we hadn't eaten really most of that day. I, I would have really loved to stay longer. They had this huge model of Hogwarts that I really wanted to spend more time looking at. But unfortunately, we were kind of racing through the second half of the exhibit, which was the, I'll call it, most of that exhibit were the creatures exhibit, as well as models of different locations uh, from the films. And we didn't get a chance to look at a lot of those models, at least not very carefully, because it was just such a big tour. The first half of the tour, though, was probably my favorite, that being all of the costumes, props, and basically basically set designs and all the all the sets that were actually used. So uh, it was incredible. I will say if you want Harry Potter merchandise, there is a huge merchandise store that you can go to at the end. You can also get some railway merchandise specifically in the area that has the Hogwarts Express and Platform 9 and 3 quarters. That is a really cool spot. It's kind of towards the end of lot the first lot. Um, but we didn't spend a lot of time in that store because we knew there was a large store at the end. There is some railway exclusive merchandise, however, at that store. All in all, a fantastic experience. My favorite was doing the green screens for basically riding a broom. That was incredible. We have all the videos and the photographs. We did purchase some of those. I will tell you, they are a little bit pricey. I mean, it, to me, when else am I going to be on a broomstick flying through London, flying through England? After the tour, we were able to get back into central London around 3.30 in the afternoon, which afforded us the opportunity to do a Sunday roast dinner, which is one of our favorite things. If you're ever visiting London and you will be here over a Sunday, highly recommend finding a spot to do Sunday roast dinner. We've been to several in London, and one of our favorites is over at the Mayflower Pub, which I know we mentioned on a preparing to go to London kind of show, but 
In this case, we did not have the time to get over to the Mayflower Pub, nor were we able to secure reservations. So instead, we went to a spot called the Harwood Arms, which turned out to be a gastropub doing roast, Sunday roast dinner. And oh my God, amazing. It was an amazing, amazing dinner. We did catch D23 on closed captioning on my phone while we were having our Sunday roast. So more to come there. Announcements about the newest ship in the fleet, the Disney Treasure, as well as sailings to Australia, New Zealand, and some repositioning cruises through the South Pacific. Fabulous, fabulous dinner that evening over at the Harwood Arms. And for those of you who don't know, Sunday roast dinner is basically what it sounds like. It is a traditional roast. There's usually lamb or beef or some other kind of chicken sometimes, some other meats, pork. I think I've even seen deer once or twice. Usually roasted potatoes and, of course, the coveted Yorkshire pudding and some roasted vegetables. And then uh, we did get dessert with our dinner. So uh, fabulous, fabulous experience. Do highly recommend it. I should have said that before we went to Harwood Arms, you know, a big event happened here in the UK in between our start in London and our return to London. And that is the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And so we did try to make our way over to Buckingham Palace when we got back into town just to see what was going on at the palace and just to pay our respects. And because we had also heard that folks were leaving flowers at the gates and we just we wanted to see we're here during a very eventful time. Uh, As long as I've been alive, Queen Elizabeth has been the queen. I know that's true for many Britons. uh, And it's a big, big event here that uh, the queen has passed and they have a king now, King Charles. We did try to make our way over to the palace. We're not successful in getting there. After dinner, we did head back to the hotel and uh, Drew and Haley were staying at the same hotel from our cruise. And so we did get a chance to say goodbye to them and their parents uh, before they headed out the next morning and then took their recommendation to try some crumpets for breakfast. I can't believe that we've gone this many trips to London without having crumpets, but neither Sam nor I had had crumpets in the past. So we went to a little place called Crumpets Cafe near the hotel and had some crumpets. I had some crumpets with Nutella. Sam had some butter crumpets and uh, we had some uh, some coffee. They were delicious. Sam enjoys a good English muffin. And I think the best way to describe a crumpet is an English muffin that had a love child with a pan cake. Like that's the best way I can describe it. So delicious, delicious crumpets with some Nutella and some butter. We had a great time. Uh, We then did try to make our way back down to the palace to see if we could get in front. And we were able to this time. We watched the changing of the guards. Uh, We caught a glimpse of King Charles III driving back from Parliament where he had received some condolences from both houses of Parliament for his mother's passing. And so we did catch Cavalcade, I will call it, uh, heading back to the Buckingham Palace. We also made it over to Green Park, where they have directed people to leave their tributes to the Queen, their flower tributes to the Queen, because there were just too many being left at the palace, uh, and they wanted a place to be able to collect those. Uh, Very, very, very moving to see all of the flowers, people, notes, Paddington Bears, flags, uh, just everything being left over in Green Park. We got some photos of that that we will share out, uh, and some video of it that we will share out, but just a very somber and contemplative environment over there in Green Park with all of the 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 flowers. Sam, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to share about that experience. It it was just a beautiful tribute. There were thousands of people out. There were many different nationalities. Of course, mostly Brits were there, but there were a lot of people who had come from all over the UK to pay their respects and say goodbye to their queen, as well as a lot of folks from the different, a lot of folks from the Commonwealth from all around the world. So Canadians, Aussies, uh, Kiwis, Jamaicans. I mean, just uh, a lot lot of people who were obviously in mourning and it was a beautiful tribute. The smell was incredible and also overwhelming because there were so many flowers, millions of flowers uh, being left in Green Park. We spent quite a bit of time there just kind of walking around the park. But then we decided we needed kind of a pick-me-up. And so we went over to Selfridges, uh, which is a department store started by the late Harry Gordon Selfridge, who was actually an American who started one of the largest uh, largest department stores in the city of London. Spent quite a bit of time walking around there. Uh, Spent some time in the food hall. Even had some conveyor belt sushi there as well. We did purchase uh, some gifts for Nathan while we were there. Uh, And then, of course, I dragged Brian to the house of Mina Lima. Now, the house of Mina Lima, I'm going to sorry for you non Harry Potter fans, but Mina and Lima are two individuals who did all the graphic design work for the Harry Potter films. And so they had a ton of prints and cards and 
artwork all throughout their store. And it was just incredible. They, they did have a few of their items for sale over at the Harry Potter studio tours, but much more to see in their gallery in central London. And so I'm really glad we got to do that. It's in kind of the Soho neighborhood. Spent a lot of time walking around, spent a lot of time window shopping yesterday as well. And then we did head for dinner at a Chinese restaurant in the Chinatown neighborhood of London. Now, I enjoyed it, um, but Ryan was a little bit more critical of it than I. Look, I like Chinese food. Don't get me wrong. Love Chinese food. Love Americanized Chinese food in New York. Love it at home as well. Can't pass up a good egg roll. I I thought this was okay Chinese food and not worth the markup that we were getting because this restaurant was in Chinatown right off Trafalgar Square and Piccadilly Circus. So I I just, look, I didn't think it was worth what we got, but the food overall was still good. I just didn't think the price tag was worth it. Uh, I would probably have wandered a little bit deeper into Chinatown to see if I could have found someplace else to eat. Uh, We also did spend some time at the pubs yesterday, a favorite pastime of mine, as you can tell from the din going on around us. I truly hope you can hear this recording at the moment um, as we're sitting here having a pint and recording our thoughts on London. Uh, had a few pints at the pub and had dinner at the Chinese restaurant. I will say, well, watch your cell phones, people, because there was a sign on our table that said, keep your cell phones off the table because uh, people would just lean in off the street and grab them, apparently. Uh, didn't really believe it, uh, but the waiter encouraged us to take our cell phone off the table, so we did, and I spotted probably at least two to three people who were clearly going to go after something on our table if something had been there. So uh, just watch your valuables here in London, uh, especially in the tourist areas, because it seems like pickpockets are out in force. After dinner, we walked over to see Back to the Future, the musical. Got to get back in time, people. So we went to the Adelphi Theater to watch Back to the Future, the musical. We did spring for some good tickets. uh, So we had some nice seats. Center view of the stage, Row H, I think a perfect spot for the musical. And the Adelphi Theater is a small theater here, as many of the theaters are in London. Uh, It was a beautiful day yesterday, I should also call out. It was like 80 degrees and sunny here in London as compared to the rain that we are now experiencing. Went over, saw Back to the Future, the musical. We also got the Gold Star experience at the theater, which meant that we had a nice little private space, us with another group of three to grab a drink. And we arrived early enough that our red coat guide actually led us around the theater and showed us some of the cool picture opportunities and also gave us some of the history of the theater. And then at our intermission, he also gave us some behind the scenes looks at the Royal Room where the dignitaries would go to hang out at the theater. So we were able to hang out in there and have a drink. And then uh, we were also in a nice little private bar area. And he showed us some of the posters and photos and talked to us about who of the original cast from Back to the Future had come to see the show and been involved with the show. Uh, Back to the Future, the musical is heading to Broadway. So you won't have to see it here in London necessarily about a year or so from now. We're hearing they will be in Broadway. The actor that we saw playing Doc in the show is apparently headed to Broadway with the show. And I will tell you what, in my opinion, he steals the show. And so I'll let Sam give her review. She is our roving Broadway correspondent. And so as she's got to be the one to give the review, I will just say I like the show. I enjoyed it. It's been one of the most enjoyable shows I've ever seen. So I think it's very accessible to non-Broadway fans who are just fans of Back to the Future, the movie. Uh, They have the old standby favorite songs throughout the show. Power of Love was featured. Got to Get Back in Time was actually, spoiler alert, played at the very end of the show as as a curtain call for the staff. They had Archangel. They had Johnny Be Good. So anyway, I really enjoyed the show. I thought the stage setup was fun. And I don't know how they did some of the things they did with the DeLorean, but the DeLorean itself was a character in this show. And there's a scene at the end. I just uh, gird your loins, people, because I was like, oh, my God, are they really doing what they're about to do? They did it. So I won't spoil it. But man, I thought the stage prop setting for that DeLorean and the way that they demonstrated the DeLorean going 88 miles an hour. Unbelievable. So Sam, what's your review of the show? I'm going to give this show a solid B+. It was a great show. Super enjoyable. I really, really loved the music. It's a great adaptation of a movie into a musical. Uh, oftentimes, those are complete flops, in my opinion. I And I'm talking to you, pretty woman. Uh, I'm also talking to you, wedding singer. Um, anyway, I thought this was a really, really fun show. Uh, My only complaint would be the beginning started out kind of slow. So the portion of the show where they're in the 1980s or 1985 before before he goes back in time was a little bit slow. And during that portion of the show, I will say that Marty McFly's 
accent, which he's supposed to be in Hill Valley, California. He was kind of overplaying a New York accent in a few spots, as well as Jennifer, his girlfriend. Also in that beginning portion, her accent was just not quite on. So these are British actors doing American accents uh, for the most part. I think most of the cast, if not all, were British. And for the most part, they did a really nice job with that, like I said, except for this sort of beginning part. However, once they went, once Marty goes back in time, the music, the acting, everything just elevated, I would say. Um, It was fantastic. They did a great job with the costumes and even sort of the sound of the music, uh, feeling like you're in the 50s instead of feeling like you're in the 80s. And there were some really fun musical numbers with Doc. Uh, there were some really fun musical numbers with uh, the the guy who becomes mayor, Goldie Wilson. Uh, he was fantastic. It was a super fun show. Thing that Brian mentioned that I have to echo is the special effects. The special effects in this show were incredible. I think better than any other, better than anything I've seen before on stage. In fact, as good as a ton of movie special effects that's and they're doing it live in front of you so i don't know how they did a bunch of the stuff they did but it was clearly a very technical show um and very very well done and the encore was fantastic as brian mentioned my favorite song from the movie is earth angel when his parents are dancing at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, they just did that song justice. I'm so happy that it was they were able to bring that into the musical. There were a bunch of, of course, new songs, but there were a few song favorites from that movie. So really fun show. As I said, a solid B plus. So that means it's not my favorite show and it's probably not in my top, you know, four or five. But I would put it definitely up there in the rankings and I'm sure it will do well on Broadway. All right. Well, after the show, we did head back to the hotel and call it an evening. And we're going to have to wrap things up in terms of our second half of our trip to London here at this point, because we got to run back to the hotel and get dressed because we have dinner at dinner by Heston Blumenthal this evening, which is a three Michelin starred restaurant here in central London. Uh, We've got a ton more to talk about about our trip to London and some things we did today. But we're going to pause it there and we will be right back. All right. Hey, everybody. We are back, but we are sitting in the Departures Lounge at the Virgin Atlantic Upper Class Departures Lounge at Heathrow Airport. So that means it is want, want, want time to leave London. Our flight leaves in about 45 minutes, actually about an hour. Uh, and so we were sitting here enjoying some coffee and uh, a little bit of a streaky bacon roll. I think that's what they call it, or a, a bacon roll for uh, for breakfast. I'm a big fan of the brown sauce here. If you haven't had it, HP brown sauce, delicious. But we wanted to catch you up on our other comings and goings in London. And so when we last left off, we were sitting in the Feathers pub and we had to bolt out the door to get dressed for dinner that evening. So let's rewind the clock a little bit. So on Tuesday morning, we got up, we did do a little run uh, that morning, just kind of down along the Thames and across a bridge, back by the London Eye, back through Parliament. The, uh, the city, I think we mentioned before, lots of street closures, lots of people here for the Queen's funeral. And so did a little bit of a different run this time, did not want to get anywhere near Buckingham Palace on that day. Uh, after our run, we we got up a little later than we would, enjoyed sleeping in. But after our run, we walked back to one of our favorite spots, Fortnum and Mason for tea. But this time we coupled our tea with a little bit of shopping. Like we've mentioned before, we think Fortnum's is a great spot to pick up some souvenirs. So bought some delicious jams and jellies to bring home uh, to the U.S. And that's one of our favorite things to get. They're also really well known for their teas. I think we mentioned that before. So hit up Fortnum and Mason for another lovely afternoon tea. And then we walked up Oxford Street, basically, and went to see Harrods of London, which is a major department store. I know we mentioned in relation to Selfridges that the department stores here are a little different than what we have back home. But Harrods is a cut above that. So, I mean, they have cameras, electronics, clothing, fragrances, food. I mean, just everything you can imagine. And like everything is very high end there. You're going to see parked around the block, Bugattis and Ferraris and Rolls Royces and that sort of thing. So it's a place to go and see and maybe not necessarily a place to buy. Although they do have a Harrods gift shop on the lower level where you can buy souvenirs with the Harrods name on it. We just browse through, enjoy kind of walking through all the different rooms. That's the other major difference with department store there is everything is kind of in its own room. So it becomes sort of like a maze of shops on side streets, basically, that are all sort of specialty shops. Um, So anyway, enjoyed our time at Harrods. Sam, anything from Harrods stand out for you? 
I would say there's some amazing like artwork in Herod's. And I don't know if it's meant to be artwork, but there are these like crazy statues in certain places. There was a huge Pokemon Pikachu. There were these huge, you know, bears. There was a rhinoceros. There was a melting shoe in the shoe department. There's also a beautiful player piano. Some of these pictures I posted on our Instagram. But my favorite thing was a 40. 1,320 piece Disney Ravensburger puzzle. Now this thing, I don't know how many pounds it weighed, uh, probably 40 to 50 pounds. And it would cost like 1,200 pounds. Uh, so $1,300, $1,400 US. Uh, so I did not purchase it, but I love a good jigsaw puzzle. I was disappointed that I couldn't take it home. We did also enjoy uh, the walking around the food hall and we grabbed a cup of coffee at the coffee bar in Harrods just to have a little rest. So there was some really amazing, I would say the food is the most interesting thing to see. The toy department was also fantastic. We spent quite a bit of time just sort of window shopping at Harrods. Uh, we also popped into a couple of other stores on Oxford Street and we did a lot of walking that day. One thing Brian mentioned, of course, with the queen's viewing and uh, there was a and procession of her coffin and now the funeral in a couple of days there's a lot of streets closed so taking cabs places is is much more difficult than it usually is so spent lots of time walking but then we had to head back to our hotel so we could get dressed and ready for dinner which was at dinner by Heston Blumenthal at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel it's a two-star Michelin restaurant we had a fantastic meal and the meal started off with a decision where we had to uh, look at some tarot cards and decide what kind of journey, what kind of food journey we wanted, whether or not we wanted the food to speak for itself, whether or not we wanted some explanation with the food or the third option, which is the one we chose uh, was an explanation of the food and the history behind it. One of the great things about Heston Blumenthal is he has figured out a you know way to present traditional English dishes, but elevate them and modernize them using molecular gastronomy. And it was just fantastic. Yeah. And I just want to clarify, too, when we talk about traditional English dishes, the menu contains dishes from the 1200s, the 1400s, the 1800s. This is not fish and chips being repackaged and presented by a two Michelin star restaurant. So they're bringing back very old cooking concepts and dishes. The concept behind the restaurant was to elevate British cooking because it had gotten such a bad rap over time. So lovely dinner. We enjoy it every time we are there. Uh, after dinner, we headed back to the hotel to call it a night. And uh, the next morning we got up, we got our shoes on, we started walking again. This time we, we did walk back over to Oxford Street, Regent Street more specifically, uh, because we wanted to check out a fun department store called Liberty of London, which some of you may know from Cruella, the movie. It's the department store where she goes to work before she's hired on by the Baroness. And uh, so we went over there to check it out. It's a really quirky department store, unlike anything I've seen in London or elsewhere it's very eclectic and bohemian inside. They sell lots of raw fabric. They have clothing. They have you know furniture. They have all that sort of stuff, but very, very different from kind of the stores like Selfridges and Harrods. So, and the architecture is amazing. And when you walk in, you still feel like you're kind of in an old world store. So definitely worth heading over there to check it out. It's a really fun little tourist area. We then walked from Liberty over to Hamley's and just kind of poked in for a few minutes. Uh, it was a, you know, it's a fun store to go see. It's a lot like FAO Schwartz. So we just kind of poked our head in to see it. It's a great place to pick up a Paddington bear if you're looking for, for one. It's just a cute little toy store. If you've got kids with you, it'd be a fun place for them to go. Although, make sure you leave your wallet at home, I suppose. So, uh, lots of toys, fun toys in there to see and play with. After that, we did walk a hefty trek over to a London Bridge because we had a secret food tour of Borough Market in the afternoon. So, Borough Market is uh, one of the markets here in London. Lots of great markets in and around London, including Borough Markets, Old Spitalfields Market, uh, the Portobello Market over in Notting Hill. Uh, I'm forgetting one, but there's lots of great markets here and around town. Borough Market known for its food. And so lots of prepared food, lots of fresh fruit and vegetables and things of that nature. Our tour guide said that there were over 100 stalls and growing at the market. And it's a spot where people come to get lunch when they work in the area or just to stop by on the weekends to get snacks and dinner and pick up fresh food. So it's, it's a great little market there right on London Bridge. London 
Bridge, just to confirm, is not the bridge that you see on TV with the double-decker. London Bridge is uh, the bridge right before it. Uh, so we got a little history of London Bridge standing there, which is really interesting. Got to try some really great Indian food from one of the stalls. Had some traditional fish and chips, traditional sausage roll. Walked to a traditional pub underneath London Bridge that looks very otherworldly or old-worldly. Uh, had some cheese and cider there. Uh, had some honey mead along the way as we were walking. Uh, and finished up with some toffee pudding, uh, which uh, we were told pudding here is the name for all desserts. So if you see a pudding menu or a pud menu, that's the dessert menu. Uh, so had a lovely toffee pudding. There was a very long line stretching all the way from Westminster down to London Bridge where we were for the viewing of the Queen's Coffin, which is on display for the next four days. Uh, but a very long line of folks waiting to view that coffin. Had a lovely, lovely tour. Loved our tour guide. Again, it's called the Secret Food Tour of Borough Market and London Bridge. And our tour guide, Billy, should give her a shout out. She was fantastic. Uh, she was an actor here in town. So I think that really upped the game for her presentation. So we just had a great, great time there. After the tour, we decided to head to the Shard because it was right there. Billy recommended we head up to the 52nd floor to have a drink at the Gong, which is a bar at the top there. No dress code, which was nice because we were slipping around in our tennis shoes and, and jeans, but headed up to the Gong, which has stunning, stunning, stunning views of London and its skyscrapers and buildings. Uh, there is a 30 pound minimum per person, meaning 30 pounds uh, money, 30 pound minimum per person to spend, but you can easily spend that on a couple of drinks. And we had some sushi. Uh, it was a great little stop uh, to get some really great views of London. And then afterwards, we trekked our way back to the hotel to get packed up and go to bed for the night to get our cab to the airport this morning. Streets here are crazy. Lots of closures. So it was really difficult to get through everything. Sam, do you have anything that you want to add as we wrap up our trip to London here? Okay, so I just want to give a quick uh, listing of the food vendors that we went to on the tour and what we got. So at Horn OK Please, we had a veg veggie doll, which is an Indian dish. At Fish Kitchen, we had fish and chips. At the Ginger Pig, we had a sausage roll. And then the Mug House was the uh, pub that we went to where we had a plate of cheese, cider, and that toffee pudding Brian mentioned. And actually, we had a little to-go gift, which was from Bread Ahead. We got some, had some donuts that our tour guide gave us. So fantastic food. And at the, the Gong, the bar at the Shard that we went to is well known for its mixologists as well as for its sushi. So we did actually have a little bit of sushi kind of round out our dinner since we hadn't had a, a proper dinner that day. So fantastic day, fantastic food tour. We really enjoyed it. All right. Well, we are going to leave it there. It's been a fantastic, fantastic trip to London. Hope you have enjoyed following along on our London adventures as well as our Norway cruise. And so thanks for listening, everybody. We can't wait to travel again to share some more travel with you. But that's all from London. See you real soon. See ya. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travels. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.